This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name's Chris Billett. My name is Paul Anderson. My name's Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. My name is Maddie Robson, and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. Good. Yeah, um, obviously Champions League happening last night, Champions League happening tonight, and we don't really talk that much about wider football here on the podcast, but I thought it might be quite nice for the preamble for us just to give our predictions for the Champions League winner this year. Um, I mean, I'll go first so I can give you guys both a little bit of an opportunity to think about things. I've gone for Real Madrid and the reason I think it's going to be Real Madrid is because the sort of teams around them don't have that squad that's going to be big enough with the depth and the quality to compete on all sort of like three, four fronts in all the competitions and I think that's just how Real Madrid normally seem to pick the Champions League every year is consistently having a strong squad and just just good rotation you know they don't they never seem to have that sort of like best ever 11 so yeah i'm gonna back i'm gonna back real madrid just because i think they've got the depth and the strength in numbers that they'll need liam who do you think's winning the champions league this year i think a bit of an outside shout i think out of all the teams i've seen this season napoli are the ones that impress me the most so i think it's definitely not the bookies favorite but napoli I mean, yeah, I mean, it is difficult, like, if you don't go for, like, the bookies' favourite, like, you, you can imagine there's there's one of, like, ten teams that could probably win it, really, Wills, who have you sort of, like, fancy for the Champions League this year? Um, I'm going to say Man City because I know they're in it and I don't know who else is in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could be fi- it could finally be their year, though, you know, they're kind of maybe now finally strong enough on a European scale but other than that, I, like I haven't really been paying attention to it so I don't want to say oh I think such and such will win it and so we'll go, but they did they're not even in it <laughs> I think I think I think it's finally going to be Arsenal's year <laughs> <laughs> no I, mean, I did think about Man City I did think yeah. about Man City but no there we go that's our Champions League predictions that's all right we'll get things off the road eh? we'll get things yeah. on the road here we go oh 
Reach Morris, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is, of course, episode 87. And I am absolutely buzzing to be joined by the two men I like to call the Cumbrian Brain Trust. That's right, I'm talking about Wills and Liam Denwood from Blue Army TV YouTube. How are we doing, boys? Thanks for joining us again. Spot on. Yeah, it's good to be it's good to be back after two defeats. Well, that's it, mate. Yeah, well said, well said. Yeah, and um, the um, it's kind of like brought us just 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 crashing down, hasn't it? Yeah, we'll go into that. We'll talk about that. It's been two games. It's been two defeats, and Carlisle have just sort of fell away from the playoff positions as a result of that. Unfortunately. Um, Lads, at the start of the season, neither of you really put Carlisle in those sort of playoff positions in the first place. Uh, you, I think, Wills, you even said you'd be happy just to sort of like be in that equation. But now you've had a taste of the playoffs and now we're 14 games into the season, 15 games into the season. What and how do you feel about Carlisle's chances? Would you change your prediction now with the knowledge that you have? Yeah, I mean, I think like if we'd had the full squad available from the start of the season, I think we'd probably be quite kind of safely in those playoffs. And, you know, if we are able to get a full strength team out for, uh, you know, for extended run at any point, then, you know, now that I can see that we can kind of be hovering around the playoffs with a depleted squad, you've got to hope that with a full squad... We can we can be in them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you say we're the full squad, but we've had obviously moans and groans again about suspensions and injuries being the reason why we kind of lost at Stockport last night. Liam, you were at Stockport last night alongside 1,126 other uh, travelling supporters. An absolutely amazing effort. We'll get there when we get there, though. Um, Focus on, on on the opening question, sorry. Would you change your predictions? Do you now expect more from Carla United than you did at the start of the season? Um, I think it really depends on what happens in January because I think even with without all the injuries, we don't have a massive squad. I think we've got a taste of it and we've got the opportunity to go into the playoff places. It doesn't mean it'll happen, but we've got more of a chance now than I thought we would. I think I said... 10 for something like that. I might change it to to 8 or something but I think I think well, I think it is possible that we go there. I think it, if things really go our way, it's possible to be higher than the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean like I'm hoping, you know, I I'm pretty sure I put us in third or something in my predictions so like I'm staying I'm staying solid on that <laughs> one, but obviously I jumped on the Simo bandwagon big time and uh, you know, I like to do that. I like to do that. And something else I like to do is have tradition. And on the Blue Army podcast, we obviously have traditions at the start of the show, which means it's time for one thing and one thing only, gentlemen. It's the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the it's Blue, Blue Army, Army podcast, podcast joke of the week. Right, lads, here we go. Here we go. I won't give anything away this week. Here we go. What kind of tea is hard to swallow? Mm. Go on, go on. Reality. 
especially after these. But no, we have came crashing back down into reality. We obviously fell away from the playoffs. And um, in the interest of this show progressing and developing, uh, we're going to dive straight into the match reports uh, for the last two games, starting with the late Norient game. Now, I believe all three of us were at the late Norient game. And before we dive into the match report, we'll give you the Carlisle United's starting lineup for the game. In net is the large frame of Thomas Hoyley with the back line of a returning back, Whelan, Huntington, Mellish and Armour. Then the midfield three were Gibson, Guy and Moxon. And the front two were Ryan Edmondson and Kirsten Dennis. Now, gentlemen, it was obviously a very, very torturous afternoon at Brunton Park that day. Uh, we lost by three goals to two. The referee had an absolute howler. But before we get to sort of talking about the referee and the sort of effect that he had on the game, let's focus first in on the highlights. And that means talking about Leighton Orient's opening goal. Now, to be fair, this goal is probably the only goal of the game where you can't really point the finger of blame and shout and swear and get really upset about it. Obviously, the other two goals that we let in were very disappointing. This one, you could argue, maybe just boils down to John Mellish not being able to close down his man fast enough or get in front of his man. Um, Late Orient get on the ball in the midfield and then they pass it into the Carlisle half. The number 11 makes a very good run towards the box. And like I said, he's got Mellish running with him the whole time for about 15 to 20 yards going from right to left. Ends up just outside the D on the left-hand side and he just slots the ball into the bottom corner. Um, am I right? pointing out John Mellish there for not being able to close down his man and get in front of his man and stop that shot from coming in? Or maybe is it a lack of communication? Should they have doubled in on the attacker and closed down the effort? I mean, Wills, what can you zone in on on that particular highlight, that particular opening goal against us that maybe Carlisle United's defence could have done a little bit better? Um, and they just managed, they just cut us open with a single pass. Um and, like, Mellish is on the back foot. Well, he's not, like, a slow defender, but he's up against a fast striker. Um, it's the pass that cuts us open and um, probably see against Stockport as well that we're maybe a little bit more vulnerable to that kind of pass that um, just picks someone out in amongst the back three. Um, you know, maybe that is one of the weaknesses of a back three, that there's a little bit less certainty between the players over who picks up who. Um, I don't think they necessarily uh, man-marking, so um, I think the players have to decide whose job it is to pick up which striker. Um, and, you know, maybe that is just a thing, you know, if you're going to play a back three, that you're vulnerable to that kind of thing. I don't know. I'm not an expert tactician, but... Seems like it's a couple of times now, just in this on this podcast. 
Yeah, it seems to be we do get undone by the one goal. But in this instance, like I said, I have zoned in on John Mellish there, not being able to get goal side of his man or maybe mm. to call in another defender in to sort of help him out. Or maybe that's a goalkeeper shout to tell the defender to close him down. Or I'm not quite sure what it is. But something else that's disappointing, Liam, is the fact that the goal happened after two minutes. You know, we were instantly on the back foot after two minutes. Now, I've obviously... Uh, spoken to Will there a little bit about the defensive duties and you're more if you've got an opinion on that absolutely dive in there but like I think we've spoken about it on the podcast before we don't seem to be starting games very well no well you look at that and I think three out of our last four games we've conceded in the opening 20 minutes uh, I think we just we just don't come out well I, I, I don't really know what it is I think the goal itself, the first goal today, I don't think you can individually blame one person. I think the entire back line just all backed off far too much. I think they were all waiting for each other to go and close the man down. Maybe it was John Mellish's man, but every single one of them backed. Yeah, backed someone up. steps forward and tries, and then that's the moment the pass is made when the kind yeah. of like break formation, I guess, as well. So, Yeah, it's, it's sloppy. It's a poor goal to concede. But I don't really think it's anyone's individual blame. And I think that is a problem. I think even before these last four games, I looked, there's a stat on the programme at Brunton Park every week that I like to read. And it's minutes of goals conceded. And I think we've conceded pretty much all of our goals this season in the first half, which it is worrying to see. Uh, But I don't really know what can be done about it. Yeah, I mean... Me and Wills, we were talking just before the game kind of kicked off and we were predicting scores. Obviously, we predicted scores on the podcast. I kind of just stuck with mine. And I did think there would be an early goal from Leighton Orient that would spark Carlisle into a comeback. Obviously, we're going to talk about what really happened during the match. But yeah, the reason it's easy to predict that Carlisle will have to have a comeback victory is because we have been consistently conceding early in games and when you've got a back five it's a bit of it, it baffles me it baffles me how 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 regularly like we just don't seem to start a game maybe we need to get on the front foot earlier in the game I don't know I really don't know what it is because it is these easy little through balls that seem to be cutting us up so maybe we we need to be steadier when we start a game maybe we need to sort of like take less risks in the first 25 minutes and allow our opponents to sort of settle into the game allow the ball to be with them a little bit more so we can be more organized and then sort of like grow into a game rather than always starting a game on the back foot or at least having had to have done that uh, in the last couple of games now that goal was in the second minute, like we said, and Carlisle managed to get an equaliser uh, in the 15th minute. So quite a quick response by the Cumbrians, exactly what you wanted to see. And what I always like to see, gentlemen, is a very good set-piece goal. Callum Guy back on corner duties on this particular occasion. Maybe they listen to the podcast, Liam, after you said <laughs> get Moxon in the box. Um, but I don't see him in the box or in the mixer uh, in 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 this particular exchange, but the ball has gone into the sort of front of the six yard area. Ryan Edmondson has rose very well. It's a classic sort of striker's corner finish header goal, wouldn't you say, uh, Liam? Yeah, it's his first league goal this season. He scored a good at Shrewsbury. 
But yeah, he, he just did everything well. I think that was the perfect corner, just in general. You know, it's a brilliant ball in. It's a brilliant finish. It's, it's is it a free header? I haven't. I can't remember really watching the highlights back, but it was an easy header for him either way. But um, yeah, good goal, good finish, and we got straight back into it right away. Yeah, Wills, you would have just recently uh, watched the highlights for that game. I mean, can you sort of like talk us through the silkiness of the nature of the set piece? Is there <laughs> anything you noticed? Or was it just a very good, very well organised, everybody bolts towards that kind of front of the six-yard box at one particular time. Guy puts it in that area and, you know, you've just got to get on the end of it. And when you've got a good lad like Ryan Edmondson, you'd imagine him to be the kind of striker not the classic target man striker because he hasn't got the frame perhaps or the physicality to do that. He's a bit more agile on his feet, even though he does, ha- he is quite tall, but you'd expect him to be quite useful in the air this season, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, he looked good in the air, scored on that goal. And that's kind of what we want to see from him um, because he's got the physicality and because we do I mean, we we do seem to put a lot of crosses in and I did kind of like feel against Orient that a lot of the crosses we were putting in from open play were going nowhere. Maybe that was after, mainly after Edmondson got sent off as well, perhaps. So, um, but, you know, for the goal he scored, that's kind of... It's kind of, you know, the type of player that we need to have. You know, we need to have a player who can do that because if you're going to go for promotion, you need to have different kinds of players who can score different kinds of goals. And, you know, Edmondson can be a big man in the box who can hopefully get, you know, hopefully get his head on, you know, head on some of these crosses and corners. Now, now he's had more of his sort of like match sharpness back. He is good with the ball. Like he can carry the ball. He can run with the ball, but he's not that kind of Zanzala or Toby Shaw Silver type who's, who battles his way into yeah. the box necessarily. He's a bit more of a fox in the box. Is that the right word for it? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. He's a yeah. fox in the box, not more of a little guy. I don't know. Um, sure. Either way, we've scored very... Yeah, I can pull. Yeah, that's good. It, Either way, I thought like Dennis would maybe be more of a fox in the box type player, but um, I think we've scored very few goals from set pieces this season. I think we might have scored the most goals from open play in the division, but our set piece game hasn't been that great, and that's partly because we haven't had the sort of player that Edmondson is. Because you know, a lot of set pieces do rely on someone being physical enough to make space or big enough to rise above people and get their head on it, you know, like, that's kind of like, and we're going to be missing it again for a bit now, but um, at least he's fit and at least we know, like, you know, once once two more games is up, he'll be back and hopefully, you know, hopefully score more of those kinds of goals. I just hope he scores a jag load of goals, really. <laughs> but, um, Obviously, we will go on to talk about that sending off. But before that sending off, in just two minutes after Carlisle United's equaliser, things went uh, a bit pear-shaped for John Mellish. The ball was rolled out to him by Hoyley. Mellish decided to take a, like, a quite a heavy touch to maybe take it 
round the attacker and slipped, unfortunately, which gifted the ball to the goal scorer. Um, he still had a lot to do. It was a very good chip, considering the size of our goalkeeper, being the biggest, what, the biggest professional goalkeeper in the world, I believe. Um, it's disappointing. It's a mistake. They do happen at this level. And, um, I mean, you'd imagine John Mellish has probably learnt his lesson uh, from that one and next time perhaps won't try and take on a forward or maybe he won't learn that lesson and he'll always continue to try and take the ball round the forwards. Uh, Liam, I went to you first last time, so I'll go Wills first this time for your reaction to that goal. It's it, it's a really good finish. It's annoying. Like, it is. I thought Hoyley was a lot further off his line than he is um, when we saw it from the Warwick. It is yeah. it is quite a good finish. But you know what can Mellish do in that situation next time? Can he just get rid of the ball? I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not like you could say that Mellish even dawdled on it or tried to do anything yeah. fancy. So no, you know, like. I don't know. I've never been a footballer. I've never, I've never kind of even been on the Brunton Park pitch or any kind of like professional pitch or one football booth. So I don't know what can happen to cause a player to slip. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you see players slip and it's off the ball and you know no you know no one cares. Um, very occasionally a, a slip will happen when a player's right where you don't want them to slip. And honestly, I've I've no idea whether that's something you know whether that's whether that's considered a horrendous error for the player, or whether it's just something that can't be avoided. Happens rarely, and every now and again, it will happen in a situation that costs you a goal. I don't know. It always, you know, it, it always looks stupid, but you know, you kind of watch it, and his his, his foot goes. And, you know, like I say, it's not like he was doing anything particularly stupid on the ball. Um, his, his foot goes away from him and then that's it, he's down. And, you know, what it's like to be John Mellis in that moment. I don't know, you put your foot down on what you think is going to be like nice, stable, steady turf. And then your foot just starts sliding. So, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to get in the mind of a footballer who's just slipped. I remember, like, obviously, Steven Gerrard did it famously. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it's just, I'm, I'm going to say it's just something that happens. And if you're really unlucky, it'll happen when you're on the ball with, with no one around to protect you and you'll concede a goal because of it. Yeah, Liam, are you going to save John Mellish as well? <laughs> um, or are you going to throw him under the bus for his slip? I'm not going to throw him under the bus. <laughs> you know, she's got new boots. Last couple uh, of years. I wonder, I wonder if that's it. Do you remember this game? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think it was under Keith Curl, and I can't. I think it was maybe Bristol Rovers. I'm going to say, but I could be wrong. But the Carlisle players were slipping all over the spot, and Keith Curl blamed the um, studs. He said, the, "Yeah, they picked out the picked the wrong. Yeah, they picked the wrong footwear." Yeah, yeah, I remember that yeah. one. I remember that. It used Sorry, to be a lot Liam. more controversial back because <laughs> the manager used to make the decision for the squad almost like sort of F1 teams. It'd be like sort of like wet tyres, dry tyres, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like today you all wear studs, today we wear blades, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But now I believe it's very much up to the individual uh, player. So, um, I was gonna say, yes, that's what, what was the point you were gonna make. People need to stop wearing blades because that, that is an actual good point. That because 
if he was wearing blades, this they're so stupid. A lot of professionals do wear them as well now. They need proper metal studs. You know, that, that's what I always wear when I blade. You know, I, I never with, had a big issue. So what's the thing with blades? Are they just seen as less of a risk of injury or something? Well, they're in fashion sort yeah. of thing. But they're, <laughs> just that's that. what it seems to me. <laughs> but they're worse. That they don't yeah. work as well. It's just yeah. fan, fancy professionals like to have them because the sort of the in thing. I think. Yeah. So... It's weird. Blades are weird. I've always sort of like, yeah, I'm I'm a studs person as well. Like I've always sort of like studs all the way, never had blades. Um, blades kind of came in the same time that like long grass astroturf came in. And yeah. then they sort of transitioned onto being used on grass. And then, yeah, I think some people literally just like the way they look because studs can look a bit ugly, I guess, like, you know, a classic studs back in the day, they were just all the same, weren't they? They were all just like black plastic with the with the metal sort of like bit at the ends, and they were all the same. There was no way to make them individualized. Nowadays, they come in all kinds of colors and, and, and things like that. But yeah, I think some people just need to grow up and stop wearing <laughs> blades. <laughs> this is all um it is all hypothetical because we don't know whether John Mellish is wearing blades or not. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And if John Mellish, you're listening, you can obviously uh, take a picture of your boots and put them on Instagram and just give us a nice little tag in there, the Blue Army podcast. And then we'll all know. And then we'll all know. And we'll appreciate that. We'll appreciate the information. We really will. Now, that. Now, gentlemen, we've all sort of like chalked that down to just being a sort of freak of nature mistake. But what Ryan Edmondson did later on in the game while Carlisle were chasing yet another equaliser maybe isn't just a mistake. Um, So we were chasing a goal. There was a corner that came in from Callum Guy. It was cleared out back to Callum Guy, who tried to put another cheeky shot onto the front post, I think. But it was a definite handball from the late Norian's defender who you can see gesturing at the referee as if to say it wasn't and then Whelan lets the defender know all about it gives him a tap on the shoulder quite literally and starts shaking his finger at him you're full of bullshit basically saying Mm. but that took your attention away from what was happening just in front of the goalkeeper in the D of the box the sort of Late Norian defender grabbed Edmondson first and Edmondson turned around and by that point had the defender all over him. Like literally the defender had his arm around Edmondson and they were obviously having some words. And to create some separation, Edmondson put his arm up and the only place he could put it back down again was apparently in the defender's face and obviously the defender made an absolute meal out of the situation going straight to the ground and I mean I don't think the referee saw it I really don't I think the referee turned round sort of heard from his linesman what might have happened and then he quite quickly produced a red card for Edmondson there now we can start talking about how effing poor the referee was now, I suppose, because we do we do have to, because we have to focus first on that handball decision. Liam, how is that not handball? <laughs> well, it's League Two referees, isn't it? And they're so poor. And I, don't, I really don't know why it's like this, because it never used to be 
you know, you'd always get bad refs. You'd always get the occasional Trevor Kettle or someone Trevor like Kettle. that. <laughs> fun fact, he's now head of officiating in the Indian Super League or something daft like that. Oh, he'd but, be uh, taking some backhanders, man. He'd be taking <laughs> some big backhanders over there. A little bit of trivia there anyways. But I don't know what it is because you used to get the occasional bad referee, but it's so consistent now. And my theory is they've taken refs out of the championship to be VAR officials in the Premier League which obviously means League One refs move up to the championship, League Two refs move up to League One, and then League Two are maybe left with some non-league referees that are having to come into professional jobs. I don't know if that is it. I could be completely wrong there, but it just seems this season they've been awful. And I think I don't like to blame the referees because most of the time, most of the time referees aren't biased. They're just generally awful for both teams. But this game, it seemed like he was really biased against Carlisle. I think the red card is probably the only decision he got right, to be honest with you. I thought it probably was a red, the way he sort of pushed, shoved him in the face. But the penalty beforehand that should have been given, it's so blatant. And another thing, the if the referee hadn't seen that, the linesman definitely did. And it's it's an issue in this division as well, where these linesmen, they don't like to give things. He, he, gave, he, he obviously gave the red card literally right after it. He saw that apparently. But he didn't see the blatant penalty that should have been given, and I think I think they're just scared to do it. They're scared to give decisions to the linesman because they don't want to be the center of attention. Which is, I don't know. It's just it's a real issue that I think something needs to be done about in, in League Two. I mean, maybe maybe some of it is like a lack of support from your linesman and, and your fourth official because obviously the referee on the pitch is normally the most experienced referee available and that's why he's the referee on the pitch and the linesman, the linesman, etc. etc. But this guy wasn't scared to make decisions. He handed out seven yellow cards between both the teams and then obviously the red card to Edmondson, the stop-start nature of the game absolutely ruined it, especially after this red card. So the referee definitely left a big stamp on the game and definitely affected the afternoon that we had in front of us in terms of the football. Now, Wills, I'll come to you with the arm to the face. Uh, Ryan Edmondson, um, they just they get given automatically, don't they? Like If you put your arm up in someone's face, it, you're off. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, um, I mean, Simo said that he'll be having words with Edmondson about kind of his, you know, about his conduct and we're not, you know, obviously that we're not going to be appealing that. Um, you can argue that, um, you know, the Leighton Orient player has gone down easily to just to make sure that the referee knows and maybe that's what catches the referee's attention. He's like seeing something out of his corner, out the corner of his eye, but the Orion player going down is kind of what calls his attention over. And you know, some and like some people say as well, like if you you know, because it's you know, letter of the law, it's a sending off, we can't have any complaints. But if the Orion player doesn't go down, maybe the referee doesn't notice that. So it's that kind of old argument about players will go down and make a meal of it because if they don't, then the referee won't make the decision that the referee should be making. Um, and, I mean, the I mean the other thing as well is it's obviously it's frustrating because it happens straight after the penalty incident. And if the referee does his job and gives a penalty, then 
Ryan Edmondson's not getting into anything with the Leighton Orient captain, and therefore we have a good chance to get... Um, did that happen at 1-1? So we've got a good chance to take the lead and keep 11 men on the pitch. And, you know, the game could have been completely different from then. Um it would have been uh, it would have been two two if we had a penalty and scored it at that point. We were chasing an oh, equaliser we with eleven men on the pitch, but the momentum was definitely ours. Like they scored a goal after fifteen minutes that put them two one up, and then they we were on the front foot since then. And I think yeah. there was there was another call for a penalty as well in that in that period. Yeah, I can't really remember that one. I can I can remember seeing people saying there was another call for the penalty, but not remembering what or when or what you know what that was all about but um i mean it's you know it's obviously the handball was it i can only i can only assume the referee just didn't see it and the linesman didn't see it either because there's no way any referee who sees that isn't going to give a penalty um even the orient fans that i've seen online i haven't haven't seen any orient fans arguing that it shouldn't have been a penalty they seem to all know that it was so um but yeah uh Ryan Edmondson's just got to be a bit, a bit more smart. You know, I can totally understand that he just lifts his arm up to kind of like push him away or something, have an altercation. It's not like he's punched him, mm-hmm. but you know, the law of the game, it doesn't make a distinction between whether you, you know, whether you push a player in the face or kind of you know deliver a full-on haymaker and knock him out. You know, they're both violent conduct. If you knocked a player out, you'd probably get extra punishment. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. but... you, may, you might not just get the old the, rematch. Yeah, but that, but, that, but that will come afterwards. On the pitch, it will be the same. It would just be red cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was definitely a topsy-turvy afternoon. That meant Carlisle went into half-time, a goal down and a man down after two quite solid penalty shouts coming out for the second half we didn't really seem to have um too much of a change in game plan i mean after the sending off uh, let's have a look sorry yeah after the sending off moxon um no no that was before the sending off wasn't it moxon was brought off for harris but yeah there wasn't a change after the sending off and so after the second half i think simo was quite happy with the balance of the team. Mellish was yeah. maybe pushed a little bit further forward, I think. Like, I think we played with a back four and Mellish kind of yeah. started sitting in behind um, Dennis. And that kind of worked for us. It seemed like we were getting a little bit of momentum. But unfortunately, once again, early, we go down another goal. And again, very similar to the second goal, it's another mistake, you have to say. Um, the ball is cleared by the late Norian back line and Callum Guy does quite well to keep the midfielder away from it, ushers it into the back line. Now, this is the moment I've clicked on the highlights at exactly one minute and 38 seconds because Huntington's arm goes up. And I think that's what distracts Whelan and leads to this mistake. Maybe it's not, but I think this is a massive lack 
of communication in that back line, which it has been guilty of a few times this season. Anyway, Whelan, for some reason, uh, should have had the ball under control, allows it to roll under his legs. Maybe he was expecting some kind of offside shout if the attacker got involved in that phase of play, but that's not what happened. And poor old man Huntington was forced to chase a very uh, sprightly attacker down the pitch, couldn't keep up with his man. And it was still, it was a good finish still. You know, you can't really have too much of a go at the goalkeeper. In Even when these mistakes are made, the attackers still have a lot to do. And they are finishing very, very well, unfortunately, for the Cumbrians. I mean, Liam, what do you see in this? Like, where's the blame? Is is it a lack of communication, do you think? Is is Whelan just kind of like screwed it up? Has it just gone through his legs? Is it just a big mistake from Whelan? And unfortunately, Huntington's the last man back and he's not going to win a foot race. Well, it's offside. <laughs> is it offside? You look at the, you yeah. look at the highlights, he's blatantly offside. Ah. And the rule is... Whelan does get a touch on it as it's going through, but he doesn't pass the ball. Does he? He, he, I think it touches him, but he doesn't pass it. He doesn't play the ball. If it touches him, then he's not offside. But I think the rule is if he passes it, it's not offside. But I think if it takes a touch off him and goes through, the man's interfering with playing. It should be offside. I did check. I I don't know. Like they do keep changing the rule on this kind of thing, and so I did have a look myself and. It's probably open to interpretation as well, and you have to go on a course to know what the actual answer is. But it seems <laughs> it seems like at the moment, unless it's an like if it touches a defender or something, unless it's an accidental touch, like if you actually play it off the defender or something, or unless it's the goalkeeper saving it or the defender blocking it on the line to, to prevent a goal. But but under any other situation, if the defender touches it then the offside player is allowed to continue. But I don't know, because, I mean, you know, you've got the whole thing about interfering with play, so... Which he was. Yeah, it's very... He's a mile offside, and he's the one that grabs hold of that touch and goes... Yeah. You know, it's it's from his pass. It's from the Leighton Orient pass through that he receives the ball. Yeah. So I think he must be offside. And the general consensus online even with Leighton Orient fans, is that it was blatantly offside and that they've missed it. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if if Whelan had touched it anyway. And given him, like, it, I can't remember, it didn't look at the time like it, like, like it looked like he just went clean through his legs and we were thinking, like, what's he doing? He's gone for that ball and not, you know, not gone for it. But, um, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, like Liam says, Huntington's already got his hand up. Has Huntington maybe said he's offside, leave it? And like, Whelan's about to go and intercept it. And then has heard Huntington say something like, you know, something along the lines of the players offside will take the free kick or something like that. So I don't know if that's, you know, giving him, that's giving Whelan the benefit of the doubt because it is as equally likely to be, he tried to intercept it and made a hash of it. But it, it's possible that he was about to intercept it and then kind of like, you know, made a last minute decision to leave it. And it's a then... weird decision. Like, it's a weird decision to make because you you play it like, we get drilled into us as kids, you play for the whistle. So yeah. even if, if he is going to get called for offside, if you take that touch and then the defender, and then the attacker tries to come and tackle you from behind, you'll get that offside because he's in, he's come from an offside position or is that not right? No, that's right. 
if you tackle a player, you, you can tackle a player and be offside. Yeah. Right. Okay. 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 Well, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I think, I think you should definitely have just taken the touch and just dealt with it. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, don't I know. mean, that's kind of what I thought at the time as well. We were like, because it, it was like he's somehow been nutmegged, but it looked like he'd nutmegged himself. You know, like it looked like he had the ball under control, and like he was, and yeah, then let it run it through. Yeah, and then suddenly his legs opened up, and like he kind of got down, like, like kind of like stretched and kind of like almost kind of like on one knee or something. And then the ball's kind of like through, and then as like you say, it's like Huntington in a foot race with a striker. Yeah, <laughs> I think it should have been offside anyway. Yeah, so. Okay. Okay. Fair. I mean, like, <laughs> now I've sort of watched it back a few more times. On the day, I didn't realise that, that at all, and I don't really look yeah. at a lot of like Twitter or anything like that, so I haven't seen a lot of like match analysisy kind of things yeah. about that. But um, I was looking up the rules to see. Like, I didn't think that Whelan touched it, but when I was looking up the rules to try and work out, would you know, would even you know, would a touch from Whelan have made it not offside? Uh, it's a it's a bit vague because there's there's stuff about interfering with play that requires a lot of interpretation. But um, in terms of uh, whether a player touching the ball would then allow it to not be offside, it sounds like only if uh, uh, it sounds like it's only if the touch is necessary in order to prevent a goal that. A player can be offside when the balls come off a defender. You know, like obviously, if the goalkeeper saves it and pushes it out, then offside you're still offside. Rules, yeah, they just keep they keep moving things around. I think like they keep, they keep tweaking the this. Wordings. Yeah, they, well, know, I did ridiculous. a course. I did a course in refereeing in like 1999 when I was <laughs> at school, and um, I remember kind of like little bits of that, but. I think like they've they've tweaked, especially that part of the offside rule, the whole idea of interfering with play and um and whether you know whether the ball's taking a touch off the defender. Seems like they've made it seems like they make a tiny little tweak to that every single season. Oh yeah, I mean they changed it. They changed it. I don't want to stay on the outside rule for too long. They they changed it when like you weren't allowed to be on the wrong side of the line and be involved in that attacking phase for a while, and then eventually you know they changed that rule so you could be that side and then come back on side and then obviously be a part of the. You know, they have to change that rule, basically. Yeah. If you're in an offside position when the phase of play started or whatever, then the goal could still get ruled out. Yeah, uh, you I can sympathise a bit with refs on that point because, like, they're getting the rule changes the same time as the rest of us. Yeah, but they're um, actually getting paid to read the bastards, so... <laughs> yeah, but like I say, like, you know, we've read it and we're still not sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> they need I, to have I, it back what it used to be, where it's if anyone's offside, it's offside. Because yeah, then there's the, offside, yeah, there's nice. no rule room for interpretation then. Yeah. You can't yeah. have rules that it's debatable. You know, you've got to make your mind up and have, yeah. have an opinion on it. You need to have yeah. strict black and white binary rules. Is it yeah. offside? Is it not? Don't have it, it can, for interpretation. Yeah, and it can, you know, it can it can seem a bit strict sometimes, but it makes you know, it makes it clear. If you just say, like, if there's any attacking players in an offside position when the ball is played, it doesn't matter whether they're on the other side of the pitch on their way back or something like that, um, then tough it is, it's offside. 
get over it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like just a nice big blanket, old school offside. That's all we want yeah. now. That's all we want now. Well, at that point of the game, at this point of the game, Carlisle are 3-1 down and a man down. But we did get a constellation prize. Uh, the ball was won back by Finn back and then a nice one two was played with John Mellish and a very clever ball was played into the path of Jordan Gibson after Dennis sold his man for a dummy very good finish on the back post Gibson you'd have to say deserves a few more goals this season there was definitely that uh, the goal that happened the other week against Doncaster where he was unfortunate not to get the goal um, but it's too little, too late. It was nice to see Carlisle still trying at that point of the game. Good to see Finn back fit and fighting and a part of the attack. Finn back has had a really good sort of start to the season. And I think, you know, if we're unlucky, we might see him go back on loan in January and then loaned out to a slightly higher level if we're unlucky. But he's doing fantastically well, isn't he, Wills? Yeah, he is. And it's been kind of unexpected as well because we had the injury to... I guess we were probably expecting Joel Senior um, when we signed him to kind of like, this is the guy who's going to be our right back. Um, and he had that injury. And then there was Jack Ellis for a bit, that possibly Jack Ellis, and we signed Finn. You know, when we signed Finn back, I, I think, you know, I don't think we were necessarily thinking... You know, you know, he's gonna kind of become our best right back and almost one of the first names on the team sheet. But um he's he's just done really well. And sometimes that happens, you know, you in a sense you kind of like with lone players, you know, you almost don't know what to expect because they've got experience, good training, they've had a good academy situation, but they've maybe not kind of played that much. Um, senior football before so it's just like how do they adapt and he's adapted really well and maybe that's because his dad was an England international rugby player and he's got that iron kind of like iron will drilled into him perhaps I don't know but um, you know he's got a good attitude and he's kind of like you know he kind of handles the cut and thrust of the game really well for a young lad. I mean decent player Really good finish. It's a really nice Carlisle goal. You would have had a good view of it from your end of the pitch, Liam. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a good goal. Um, I'm, I can't remember it to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> cut that bit. Cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, it, um, it does like, like putting you on the spot, doesn't it, Liam? <laughs> I, am a, I am a bit of a on the spot. Yeah, it's kind of the way it works. It's like, it's like you ask these really long rambling Garth Crooks style questions and it's like, you know, you're, you're like building up. It's like, I still don't know. I still don't know what question he's actually going to ask me. And he's like, so like, this happens and this happens. And like, is he going to ask us about the pen? No, no. It's like, is, and this happens. So what do you think about the finish, Liam? It's on your feet, isn't it? I've drawn a blank though. I actually can't. I just can't remember the goal whatsoever. The, no, I mean, a, like, you know, at the end of the day, we lost the game, so like, you do forget nice those move, games nice, faster. Yeah, it was a nice move, though, and good to see John Gibson get on the score sheet. Oh, I yeah. do remember. It's John Gibson's one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. From now. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a good goal. It was a good goal. <laughs> it was a good goal. We had to wait for that. <laughs> John Gibson is in a good position. It's a good attack and move. It's a good finish, but ultimately, it came to nothing. <laughs> it did. It did. You're quite right. Yeah. At the end of the game, uh, there was a lot of controversy over the referee's performance. We've dived into that. Uh, apparently, allegedly, there were some coins thrown towards the direction of the late Nori manager. Uh, I believe that they were probably just astray and were probably targeted towards the referee. Um, but <laughs> I wasn't there. And that's just yeah. pure uh, speculation. We can't get in trouble for throwing coins at the referee. So. No, I mean, they after that performance. Like, not at all. Should be allowed to throw. Oh, no, about, that could get. Get us in trouble. Don't throw coins at referees, kids. Don't throw coins. <laughs> don't throw coins at anyone, it, kids. No children. <laughs> Steve Evans is all right. Throw coins at Steve Evans. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, it is normally quite hard to give a man of the match when we get to this point of a game when we've had a loss, but because, you know, we didn't have the worst of games, there were some players that did play pretty well, put the heart on the sleeve and gave an effort, so I don't think it's an impossible task. Probably in the Stockport game, it is for me and Wills, because we weren't there and we didn't see the full 90, mm. so we'll maybe just let Liam have a man of the match for the Stockport game, so that still happens. Um, but yeah, Wills, do yeah. you have a man of the match for this game? Finn back. Finn back, yeah. 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 I think like yeah. we've already talked about his performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. no, nail it, man. Yeah, we'll yeah. move along. We'll move along. <laughs> Dave, who do you think? Exactly the same. Finn back. Yeah. Similar yeah. reasons. Has to be, has to be. It's a trio yeah. of Finn backers. He's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of getting along as well with his kind of attack and play. I remember early on in the season, we commended him for getting forward, but he wasn't quite doing as much once he got into those forward positions, but that's, you know, you know, from then that's improved. So he's kind of becoming much more of an all-round wing-back, wing-back, fin-back. Yeah. <laughs> and we're glad to see him back in the squad. Um, <laughs> yeah, a trio of fin-back there. So, I, I, yeah, for all the reasons we've, we've, we've already said, uh, we'll move on and uh, we'll talk about the Stockport result that obviously happened last night. Me and Wills have only really been able to see a couple of highlights and we are getting a little bit pressed for time now. So I'll basically just ask Liam... What you thought of the game against Stockport? We don't normally do two match reports in an episode anyway. So like, why, don't, why, don't, why don't you just give us your summed up opinion of the of the game against Stockport? Okay, right. Um, came out of the gates really poorly. We weren't great in either half, to be perfectly honest with you. We just looked tired, I think. And I think with the amount of injuries we've got and the small squad we've got, we can't really be doing with playing Saturday, Tuesday. I just don't think we were fit enough for it. We weren't, didn't have the players to rotate. You know, we had injuries. Paul Huntington was injured coming into the game. He didn't play. Mm-hmm. He sh- apparently he should be back for Saturday. Morgan Feeney came in, didn't really do too well. He was losing headers. It's just, we didn't do the simple things right. We didn't win tackles. We didn't win headers. We didn't win the second balls. They And, you know, Stockport pressed really, really well. And we just couldn't pass our way out of it. Like, they were really good yesterday, Stockport. You know, it, was, it was such a it was such a good support going though like one thousand one hundred on a Tuesday night, you know, and it's not a short drive that either. 
you know, it's it's a long drive down. And I'm not even sure why there was that many fans there. To be, to be honest, it's not like I wasn't expecting that many. Like we've mm-hmm. got a good away support, but I was expecting maybe like six, seven hundred. Like we usually get. Like I, I I don't know why we got as many supports as we did, but I'm very I'm very glad we did. There's no roof on that stand as well that they put the away fans in, and it started raining at half time. Which, uh. <laughs> not too badly, but just enough to to emphasize the fact that there wasn't a roof. Uh, <laughs> now, from what I could gather on on the BBC, from the way that we lined up, apparently Harris was playing up front with Dennis, but I don't think the BBC are incredibly accurate a lot of the times, especially, you know, that's normally the formation that we would play, but I think the BBC probably didn't look into the formation we played on that day and just assumed Harris was going to come in as a straight replacement for Edmondson. What was the kind of shape? The shape was really weird because it, it, we had we pretty much played five at the back, three in midfield, and one up top, with Jordan Gibson just being anywhere and everywhere. And he was our best player at Stockport. You said you were going to just ask for my man in the match. That's who it is, Jordan Gibson, because it was it was everything that good, everything good came through him. Uh, obviously, there was there was a good chance created by Owen Mox on that Dennis hits the post from, and you know that was a good chance. But I think everything came through Jordan Gibson. He played really well, but he was in that sort of floating role where we were playing with one striker up top, but Jordan Gibson would sometimes be up there, sometimes be in the midfield, you know. But and I think. Harris definitely wasn't playing striker. I, I, you didn't really know it's Harris playing at all. I think he was probably our worst player on the day, and it's and it's harsh because he's only a young lad, but he comes in and he really doesn't play very well, and he gets hooked at halftime. Uh, Stretton comes on at halftime for him, and they go to pushing Jordan Gibson into a more defined midfield role with a strike and partnership, and we immediately looked better for it. You know, we need that strike partnership, I think. And Dennis, and if you're gonna play one up front. Dennis isn't the striker to do that. He doesn't have the pace to get them balls coming forward if you're playing as a lone striker. Yeah. You know, he just he just doesn't have that in him. I think you start Shaw Silver up there by himself, he probably has more of an impact than Dennis up top. That's not me saying Shaw Silver's a better striker than Dennis by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that lone strike partnership with no wingers either side, just there by yourself, Shaw Silver probably has more to offer from it. Yeah. He would but when we went to that strike better. partnership, Stretton and Dennis worked well together as a strike partnership and we looked better for it and the momentum was going our way until there was one counter attack that just killed us off and we didn't look good at all after that you know Stockport get the ball our players are too far over onto the left hand side um, Corey Whelan misses a header at left back for some reason I don't know why he's there and the room where he should have been in the middle they get across to you know, Finn back. some people might try and blame him, but he had two men to deal with by himself on that post. He loses the header with the first man, but if the first man misses a header, there's another man lining up at the back post to, for a tap-in. Yeah, he's not the tallest either, so he's not the person who should be no, marking yeah, big exactly. strikers. So I don't know if that's kind of like the defence needed better organisation and should kind of plan ahead for when this guy's, you know, when they're putting crosses in with this guy in the box, it should be someone like Feeney should be the one marking him. And Feeney's kind of elsewhere. And maybe that's just a case of like Feeney having to come into the squad for Huntington. And maybe that's kind of like messed our organisation up a bit. Yeah, we were just, I think the problem was Corey Whelan had gone too far forward in the attack. I think he got a little bit carried away. 
and then he got caught when we were coming back again and he was he was pushed over to you know he was nowhere to be seen and when the, with this with the attack coming down the left hand their left hand side so no sorry our left back side I mean we're far too pushed onto that side with Corey Whelan further forward that there's so much room left on the right that Finn Max having to mark all by himself and they exploit that space with a decent cross. Even Thomas Hall is nowhere near it. You know, mm. he's waiting to try and stop the stop a shot coming in from that from that side. And um yeah, it was just a we were so poor organizationally. And I think that's when we missed Paul Huntington because Morgan Feeney, as much as I love him, he really didn't play well and he really didn't command that back five like you know he used to when he was on like a consistent run of games yeah it's just him coming back I mean it's probably been difficult for him because he would have been seen as our our star defender and he probably still is but just because we were defending so well after he was out injured you know he ended up spending quite a bit of time being fully fit but on the bench and not featuring so I don't know if it's kind of like killed his confidence yeah, you know, it's kind of maybe a bit of a confidence thing. Yeah. Well, after that performance, though, I'd, I'd maybe get rid of Corey Whelan next game if Huntington's back fit and start with what we used to have where it was Feeney, Huntington, Mellish as a back three. I think yeah. that's probably the, the strongest way going forward because I think Huntington, he commands that back line like, and, and we missed that. And I think, you know, we had, we had a discussion towards the start of the season where it was like Huntington and Feeney did the clash a little bit. But Feeney's our captain. He commands the whole team. Yeah. Huntington commands individuals in the back line. And I think that's what we missed. I think they were just a little bit too disorganised and they didn't push back from the attack well. And, you know, we're pushing for a goal. We need a goal. So it's understandable why we're playing such a high line. But, we you know, we took the gamble of pushing players forward and it really didn't pay off, and you know we conceded because of it, and that killed our momentum. I mean, that victory put Leighton Orient top of the league. Unfortunately, um, uh, sorry, the the victory before that, Leighton Orient went top of the league. So that's obviously a very good team. In this game, you were probably thinking we were going to come away with something from it, and it's it's just a little bit disappointing in general. The last two games, conceding as many goals as we have five ga- uh, five goals in the last two games, obviously still conceding goals in the early stages of games. The suspension to Edmondson to add to the injury list of players unavailable that's already there Gibson's suspended as well now and then there we go Gibson piles on uh, with the <laughs> suspensions so it's, it's it's been a bit of a tough week for Carlisle United Carlisle United fans and um, I mean it's, it's been a bit of a tough episode really it's been a bit of a slog for us to get through but before we finish things off there's just two more things left to do first of all let's give our predictions for the Tranmere game happening away at Tranmere on Saturday Wills after two defeats surely it won't be three in a row what are you predicting for the Tranmere game yeah I think um, I mean in terms of form I think they're probably the best team we've come up against recently but um, I'm going to try and be positive and say we're going to get a hard fought 1-0 away win and maybe a bit of an ugly win but you know maybe I can kind of like see us Simo kind of sorting us out, digging, you know, dig deep and 
and get something there. Maybe that'll work for you, yeah. Maybe that'll work. Um, what are you saying, Liam? 1-1. One, one. Still 1-1. One, one, one. One. Think Simeu goal and Simeu own goal. You know, because <laughs> 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 he's been playing really well for them and he has been scoring a couple of headers for them. So, no, nah, I don't know because I think it's such a bad run of three games to have. You've got top of the league. You've got a very good Stockport side who I thought probably the best team we've played all season. And then we've got probably the most informed team in the league in Tranmere. I think it's such a hard run of three games. I think we'll do well to get a point out of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see us kind of shut up shop, uh, tr- try a slightly different game plan if we can have that back five that we all want. Like we just said about Mellish and Huntington and Feeney playing uh, as that back three in there and just eke out a 1-0, you know, just stay solid for as long as we can and then just take the opportunity when eventually we get it. Maybe be tempted to play Toby as the lone striker just to give Dennis a bit of a break after playing on a Saturday and a Tuesday and just start with Toby and see how he gets on and obviously just firm up that midfield a little bit more to to just allow more of a solid base during the game. So I'm going to go for 1-0 Carlisle United because I don't like to predict anything else but a victory for Carlisle and that's kind of the only way I can see it coming about. Right, gentlemen, we end the episode with everyone's favourite new feature because I know you love being put on the spot. Don't worry though, it's not a high pressure situation (laughs) this time. It's quite easy actually, I think, this one. Very friendly. Caught the eye because of its friendly nature of being put on the spottedness. But anyway, on this day, on... In October 1924, Rugby Union once more proved to be a bigger pull than football at Brunton Park with the New Zealand All Blacks fresh in Cumberland by 41 points to zero in front of a record attendance crowd of 16,343 people at Brunton Park. Now, what question's coming next, lads? What's coming? What's he going to ask us? Well, all I'm going to ask is, is, lads, Rugby Union is the nation's favourite, well, secondary favourite sport after football. So my question for you two gentlemen is a nice breezy one this week. What's your second favourite sport? Go on, Liam, tell us all about it. Uh, you could. I don't really do boxing. That's it. Boxing. boxing. My dad's a boxing coach. He runs a boxing club in Maryport. I've always watched. You know, I'm I'm not a diehard boxing fan, but I watch the big fights when they're on. I've been to quite a few fights live, so no, love a good bit of boxing. Yeah. Boxing, boxing for Liam. It's boxing for me as well, uh, to be honest, especially since the everyone seems to be getting involved in boxing, celebrity boxing, YouTube boxing, you know, the heavyweight division's <laughs> awesome at the moment, just just for the British scene as well. So yeah, I've been boxing uh probably yeah, I do I do flip and flop depending on my second sport sometimes, depending on you know if NFL's in season and, and things like that as well. But yeah, boxing right now is probably my secondary uh sport, in fact. It's just a lot of going on, especially with Tyson Fury having another fight. Will, what's your secondary favourite sport? Um, it's probably a distant second, but uh, I'd probably say Formula One. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the only other thing that I kind of like, I'll just sit and watch 
for its own sake. Sometimes I'll watch rugby or cricket if there's no else on and it's on in the background and I'll just be like, oh, England are winning. Uh, you know, Formula One. I, I I at least know who the drivers are and how they're doing and <laughs> what's going what's going on. Yeah, that's following the sport. Yeah, that's knowing names and stuff. That counts, that counts. That's, a, that's being a fan. I always think it's weird though about F1. It's sort of like favourite teams. Yeah. yeah, I used to that's like a weird one. I, I used like to like the Jordan team. I like team. Ferrari. It's like yeah, yeah. I mean Ferrari have kind of you know being Italian and stuff. They've got a big following. I used to quite like Jordan. You know, back in the day, the yellow, <laughs> the yellow cars and Eddie Jordan. And <laughs> all right, okay. I think um, who was it who Eddie Irvine drove for them as well. I remember Eddie Irvine's name, but this is back yeah. in the this is back in the days even yeah. before like David <laughs> Hill and things like that, man. Yeah, like Schumacher before even them kind of days, really. Uh, Eddie, yeah. yeah, Eddie Irvine was just coming to the end of his career when I think Michael Schumacher and Damon Hill were at their peak. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way it was. I think that's yeah. the way it was. But yeah, that was all right this week, wasn't it? That wasn't the worst way to end the show, <laughs> but it is. It is time to finally end the show, lads. Thank you so much for joining me once again for this episode of the Blue Army Podcast. And there isn't really anything left to do apart from saying bye for now. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.